<laughs> Welcome to episode two of Tony Tebby's Predator Hunting Podcast. And this is a special week. I'm actually doing an interview on the very second episode. Um, I have Tony Bonsagna. There you go. Yay! And Joshua Mapes, um, both a couple of Eastern United States Predator Hunters that are here uh, at Predator University down in Southeast New Mexico. Uh, Tony is from Ohio. And Josh is from Michigan, and this is their first Western hunt. So I thought, what a great opportunity to sit around and chat. You know, I'm a Midwest boy. I'm from Illinois. Um, they're from northern, northeast of me, straight east of me where I lived, and far east from where I live now. And I thought, what a great topic to talk about the whole eastern versus western coyote. What's the differences in tactics and, and observations about the coyotes? So let's get to it on Tony Tebby's Predator Hunting Podcast. just got done with four and a half days of uh predator hunting in the rain <laughs> intense predator hunting yeah the best we can tell you, you got your your entire year's rain while we were here yes <laughs> yeah almost got almost got stuck you know we get 12 inches of rain a year and i think we probably got five inches while you were here mm-hmm. we had flash flood warnings three days in a row yeah that was water in this road out here Three out of the four days. Which is no surprise, because that's yeah. how it happens. Because Josh do. is here. <laughs> we, we brought him, and the bad luck followed with it. It's no surprise, yeah, and, honestly. And anyone, who's, and anyone who's ever spent some time predator hunting uh, realizes that coyotes are really, really tied to uh, the weather. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the weather that's happening now, it's but what's weather that's coming. Yeah, barometric pressure shifts, and I didn't believe that when I first started doing this. I mean, I've been coyote hunting for five years now, and most of what I learned about pressure systems and weather and following that type of stuff, I learned from Josh. And it took me a long time to learn it, and it just finally, I mean, I used to just go out calling because I wanted to go call, and I never paid attention, but... When I finally started getting hardcore into calling predators, I started recording the information with the weather, the pressure, the wind. Well, and you can go back to the first few videos where we're in the truck, and like we'd go live, he'd say something about the pressure, and I'd make fun of it. You know, <laughs> I'd, mm-hmm. I'd pick on about because I didn't care anything about the pressure. I didn't think it mattered, and it most definitely mattered. You know, and I think it's not just. I mean, it seems to be amplified with with predators. Um, you know, why you can go, let's say night calling and all of a sudden from 10 to, from 10 to midnight, boy, they're on. Yeah. And after that, they're shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure people who, um, are fishermen see this exact same issues, you know, or turkey hunting, why is turkeys turn on one day and not the next? And the weather feels yep the same. Uh, same with deer. Yeah. The deer, the woods explodes, right? Mm-hmm. One day. On a high pressure day when it's 
there's high pressure, blue skies, <coughs> calm. It's one of the best days to be in the woods, especially if it's 24 hours after a storm. But the day before the storm, I mean, you might see a couple deer, but you're not going to see it like you will the day after, 24 hours after. And we were 24 hours after, 24 hours after, 24 <laughs> hours after, and then 24 hours before it, this whole week. Yeah. We've, we've went from 90 degrees to, what was it today, 60? It said 71. But it wasn't no 71 degrees. It, it was 50-some degrees. Yeah. 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 I mean, we were shivering. Of course, we were driving around in a racer, but <laughs> it was it was cold. Yeah, and we'll talk and we'll talk more about their hunt. Um, you know, they they had a unique hunt. We had we had, you know, really shitty weather. Um, but yeah. but we were persistent and 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 it paid off and they killed in the double digits on on coyotes. Um, and that's but did you guys did you guys come? I mean, let me let me ask you: Did you guys come? This is your first Western hunt. Did you come with any of the uh, misconceptions that there's going to be a coyote behind every bush and they're dumb as a box of rocks and just no. the, the brakes are going to squeal and they're going to come running? <laughs> that's what no. you hear a lot, yeah. but we know better. Yeah, we've been doing it long enough. We know better, and everybody will say, "Oh, you can just go out west and whistle, and a coyote will come in." and we saw a lot of coyotes, but it it's not that easy. It's a predator. It's hunting to find its food, and no matter what, there's always something that could change it, and it's not nearly as easy as people think it is. No, I, th- I think if somebody was going to come out here that doesn't hunt coyotes and they were coming out here just to hunt them, they would probably come with that misconception. But I think anybody that has spent any time hunting coyotes, yeah, like I said, they just know better. I mean, it's not going to be that easy. Now, in my position on that, <laughs> a guy that doesn't hunt coyotes that came here on even the same week we did, oh, with this crappy would weather, would have been blown away by the activity we had. Yeah. And, I mean, it blew us away by the sheer numbers of animals we saw, but we knew better coming well, we, in to expect more. We killed every day. Yeah, we killed every single day, but we, we've been hunting long enough, we know. We know better. On predators to know that, you know, you're not going to kill them every, you might not kill them every day. They're not going to be behind every, every single bush. And, you know, the ones that you do see might not come to the call anyways. It's, it's, it takes some time to spend chasing them to realize that, yeah, there's a lot more coyotes out here, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. You still have to be smarter than they are. And that gets that gets rough in the fact that the one thing I that I've noticed right off the bat, and he kind of pointed out on the first one I killed, the coyotes out here are not, and I hate to use the word lazy, but our coyotes depend a lot more on terrain and cover. So when it comes to playing the wind, they will get a little bit lazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Out here, we saw more coyotes J-hook like textbook j-hook downwind of a collar and play that wind than we ever do back home yeah i've never seen a coyote go downwind of a call throw his nose up and turn around i've never seen that in michigan no and it's because the cover's less out here so they have to be smart about the wind and they can't run down a fence row and say well you know i can i can kind of go downwind they ain't doing that here the cover's not there. 
I mean, I've been hunting coyotes since I was 16. I just turned 31. And I have... And he still can't grow a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) I have... Continue, baby face. I have almost given up caring about the wind direction in Michigan because we've had them so many times. And this is something we noticed when we started switching to nighttime predator hunting with a tripod and thermal that you can see all the way around you. And we have coyotes cross our yep. wind and left and right and they don't without care. caring. And here, like Tony said, watching them completely go downwind of a call, throw their nose up, and J-hook into the call is not something I've ever seen in Michigan. I mean, if I have, it's only been very, very rarely. Most of the time, they're going straight to it. No matter where they're at, they don't care. And they might hit your wind, and you might bust them. But it didn't happen. I mean, we got busted downwind more times here in four days Absolutely. than I probably have. They're more disciplined here. Yeah. Because I mean, they don't have the cheaters. Yeah. That, I mean, I you know, fence rows, tree lines, just cover in general. We've got a lot of cheaters for them to use. Ditch lines. You don't out here. You know, I, I grew up I grew up in the eighties and what you had at your fingertips for information was fur fishing game magazine, you know, there was a couple of books out and uh, and they talk about coyotes who go downwind to check to see if it's a predator hunter or not. And I totally <laughs> I totally disagree. They're giving way too much. I mean coyote's crafty, but it doesn't have a human brain. You know, um, to me, a coyote's going downwind because that's that's what a bird dog does. You know, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, I think they use what they have to their advantage. In in the case of in the east, they've got terrain, like yeah. you said, fence lines. They use their tools. Creek lines. Here is wide open, um, with with sparse vegetation. They're going to use a nose. Yeah, and we saw it. Time and time again. Even the mangy one today that yeah. you know needed food, he was headed hungry. for the downwind side, and got downwind with the call. And took it off. didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't like what it smelled. It wasn't what he expected. Yep. And off he went. He yep. lived to see another day. And I killed one that was semi mangy in Michigan two weeks ago, <coughs> and it just came right out, came right to the call, and died. And I really wish we'd been sitting together on that one because I would have loved to have shot that coyote. Yeah. I needed yeah. that one. That, that, Redemption that, came later. So. That stand there, I kind of broke one of my rules. Um, <laughs> I, I set my clients with me. You know, Most of my hunts are two clients. And I'll set one right on my left, one on my right. And we all focus on the, uh, using the same bush as the backdrop uh, so that you can communicate. And in this case, we spread out. There wasn't... There it was wasn't, just so scarce out there in that yeah. one spot. Yeah, there wasn't hardly any good bushes. So we spread out maybe uh, 25, 30 yards. If that, if that, it was like fifteen. But okay. the wind, the way the wind was coming, yeah. I couldn't hear a Cumina- thing. You communication, guys said. And, and it seems to happen every single time that I say, "Hey, go ahead and sit over there at that bush," that we can't communicate, and, and this, and it cost us the coyote because we couldn't communicate. Um, Tony was hesitant on shooting that coyote, which he could have easily killed, but we had a decoy dog. He didn't, you know, and I already told him prior, you know, my rules are: don't take a shot till I say so. And I'm telling him to kill it. He can't hear me in the wind, and so be it. No big deal. And by the time he finally was realizing <coughs> that he could take the shot, it was headed out. Yeah, which it was still, it was a great set. I mean, I watched him come in from probably, I don't know, 140, 150 yards up to about 80. 
In about and, three minutes on set. Yeah, and had crosshairs on his chest the whole time, and he stopped for a second. I'm like, yeah, you're dead. And then he walked off. Because so, there, there's no way I'd have pulled the trigger not knowing where that dog was. I'm not going to take that chance. So for your first Western hunt, is there any, like, any big aha that, you, that you're going home with? I want to know if there's a big aha for you. For me? Because the first night you said you don't call in high winds. And we called in coyotes. Like that's crazy an aha. That first night. <laughs> yeah, that's an aha. Yeah, I don't, I don't mess around and in, in hunt when it's windy. Um, to me, one, the sound isn't carrying. The two, the coyotes are reluctant to move. Um, and three, if they do move, the farther, the stronger the wind, the farther downwind they're going to go. You know, so I wasn't real thrilled about going night hunting, but we did it. Uh, and uh, it was Josh's birthday, right? It was my birthday on Tuesday, so yeah. this is our second full day of the hunt. Gotcha. And uh, that was Sunday night, though. And they say day. they kill more <laughs> back home, back east, when it's windy. Yeah. And we did good. Well, and our thing back there is if we don't hunt in the wind, we'd, I'd hunt 75% less. Yeah. Because I'm we've only, always got something. Yeah, I'm only 25 miles off of Lake Michigan, and we have weather of some sort every night. And it's either going to be wind, rain, snow. And when we get snow, there's always wind. And every time we hunt a tournament, and it's heavy snowing and heavy oh, wind, man. we call in coyotes left and right. It's just that they, when it's windy and nasty, they seem to stick tighter to the cover for us. Yeah. They'll stick to tree lines. They'll stick to fence rows. I think, it's really hard to pull them out of the terrain. They don't want to expose themselves at all when it's that windy because they don't know where things are. They don't know where things coming from. But at that, so point, it's a safety thing. Yeah. Okay. But at that point, when we get to that stage in our tournament hunts or any other time we're hunting, we go to my interior fields. Yeah. That are we get to the close range woods. stuff. Yep. They're surrounded in woods. You might have two hundred yards that they could possibly come out to you. And they feel more secure because the wind is blocked more. But we, if we have zero to five mile an hour winds, man, it's rough. I'll make three sets, and ninety nine percent of the time, not see a dang thing, and it's I'll go rough. home. See, that's and that's crazy because around here, anyone who's watched any of my videos, uh, whenever I've mentioned the wind speed, almost all my videos of really good action happen when it's a two to five mile per hour. Yeah, that's when you're crushing it. Yeah. Well, we noticed that that was an aha for me out here when you took us up into the sand hills. Uh-huh. And Tony's gun had a malfunction. Yeah. That coyote came hard after maybe 30 seconds after we had a dead calm session, you know, for Once 10 seconds. Once the sound could get out. When the sound could travel out through those hills. There he was. That coyote came running it. Yeah. And... I mean, around us, it's just... Thanks for bringing that up, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> it's just another bad part of the hunt. But it didn't matter, because we saw one, and it was paper new. cut while you're sleeping. And <laughs> that, I'm going to buy you a lemonade That's on the drive home thing, tomorrow. too, though, that I noticed. Um, if we're in the right spots here, we were calling them all day long. We called them at 7 a.m. at sunup. We yeah. called them at 9 a.m., we called them at noon when it was 90 degrees and hot and windy, 
And it now, all... Before you finish this sentence, I'm going to put the disclaimer. Yes, you can call them in during yep. the daylight yep. back home. It's just not as likely as here. And I think that has to do with population. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's that. That brings up a good point. I mean, and pressure. Probably the yeah. The probably the biggest difference is is terrain. Yep. You know, um, what I always told guys is, is take you know, let's if, if you live back in Iowa, take every soybean field and corn field that you know of, and turn it into a overgrown cattle pasture. I would have just as many cows as New Mexico or Texas. Um, and then two, just a higher, because of that, you have a lot more game, thus a lot more coyotes. Well, and, and I can speak for that for going up to the UP because it's less people up there, less yeah. people, it's less human impact. And the farm we hunt is a big cattle farm and it's all pasture ground surrounded in cedar swamps and big patches of woods and we can call them all day long there we just don't do it much because i mean our heat here our heat there in the middle of the day is a complete different heat here. the number can be exactly the same but you guys got a taste of it this week with you know 70 and 80 percent humidity that's us all the time. Yeah, know? when the guy... And it's usually a little higher than that. I mean, we hit 90% humidity all the time. Good when the guy f- that lives in New Mexico <coughs> is walking around saying, it is hot. <laughs> and we are from Michigan and Ohio saying, yeah, it's hot, but this isn't bad. <laughs> that's, that's crazy to yeah, me. We, yeah, we dealt with humidity this week. I mean, normally we have 26% humidity here. And we were dealing with 84% humidity. 81, 84. And that really has not only affect on the coyotes but that has an effect on the uh um on the thermal big time mm-hmm. big time it, it, you could take a two thousand dollar thermal and make it feel like it's a two hundred dollar thermal mm-hmm. make you make you feel like you're using a toy mm-hmm. and we saw that instantly here and we the thing that was cool here too with that is like if we have a high humidity night or it's rained you know 10 12 hours before nightfall you're going to struggle the entire the night. night. But here, it was like two, three hours yeah, into the night. a couple hours. Everything started to clear up because everything seemed to start drying up a little more and the humidity started to go down. Yeah, that's when my nosebleeds would start. I mean, yeah. it's pretty dry around here. Yeah. and But we are constantly in the high 80s to mid 90% humidity where I am in Michigan. Yeah. So that's another thing. You know, if it's humid out, we we have to go calling, otherwise we're not going hunting. I might as well sell all my gear because if I don't hunt in high winds, humidity, and terrible weather, I'm not hunting. <laughs> no, I understand. I've, I've got clients <coughs> in South Dakota, and we would have 25 mile per hour winds when they're here in January. And I said, you know, let's just go ahead and take a break for the <laughs> and they're like, day. let's roll. <laughs> yeah, they said this is normal. Yeah. If we if we waited below, if it got below 25 mile per hour, we'd never go hunting. It gets rough. It really does. Yeah, you know, so it really has to do with what can you withstand based on if you're a predator hunter and you're and you want to go hunting, you deal with what Mother Nature gives you where you live. Well, when the weather does roll in, I mean, you got to do what the coyotes do. Really, you've got to change your tactic a little bit, and you just have to learn to adapt. Yeah. And, you know, and this week we change our tactics a lot. Uh, you know. Anywhere from using just straight vocals to 
to just Cottontail to Jack, you know, their stands that produced Jackrabbit was the only thing that was producing. Hell yeah, we fought yeah. for them double digits. Uh, <laughs> pup Distress didn't work one iota no, this we week. No, one coyote come into Pup not Distress. Not one. Any we had them come into Howells, mm-hmm. but not any kind of Pup Distress. What were we playing when that pack lit up behind us in daylight? Like Teen Spirit or something this morning. Was that what was that mm-hmm. what was Okay. Yeah, Teen Spirit. Well, how about I talk, was trying to talk about that, that talk about that stand north of town um when we when we had um I think maybe it was our last stand on that ranch when we had that pack of like five or six behind us start home. And we switched from we you know, I was calling with some cottontail and then some jackrabbit and then uh, talking the one I killed on last night. Nope. I guess it was the night before. Um, we had a pack of, we had a pack when that the was behind in? the truck. No, That's behind the I truck, know. and they were howling. Remember that? Oh, we, what before it started raining? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had the pack over there working. And it was when I missed by gimme. Yeah, the very next stand. On yeah. the big pasture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, next yeah. stand after yeah, I yeah, missed yeah. the easy one. Yeah. That the light. <laughs> Talk about that stand. Again, thanks for bringing that up, guys. <laughs> we didn't talk about the miss. No, I mean, I, I'm going to hang my pinky toe up on the edge of the wall over there and just break it. That's part right. of Part of your thing here is you don't have very many spots <laughs> to hide a truck. You have, I, I can park 99% of my spots, I park in the landlord driveway. Um, and they're used to vehicles in and out yeah. of there. And then I walk 100 yards back and I call their open field. You have a, a bush. tree and a fence post, or an oil, or an oil rig. <laughs> yeah, an oil rig, and the oil rigs hide the trucks. Awesome, but on that set, I don't remember where we were at. We had played jackrabbit, we had played cottontail, and I don't remember what you hit, but that pack lit up across the street, directly across from the truck, and we had a storm coming in the whole time, and the lightning was getting brighter and brighter. And Tony and I both had turned and seen the coyotes working towards us quickly from I that. I switched group. to Denray. Yeah, you yeah. switched to some and kind of a, a fight. Song and I mean, because were, I asked about coyote showdown, and you said I'll I'll mimic it the best I can. They were moving fast too. Yep, I mean they, they were closing some ground. And all of a sudden, <laughs> one bolt of lightning, and you could see everything across the entire it was, pasture. It was like coyote cockroaches, man. <laughs> they just went every direction. They scattered. They, yeah, they got out of dodge. They saw us. They saw the truck. They yep. saw everything. Yep, and it just it blew that whole set one lightning bolt. Blew that whole set by lighting up the whole. So open, so hunting open country is awesome when you're not calling with thermal, but in that case, if it it's backfired, dark, it backfired on us. Yeah, if it's dark, it's awesome, and I mean that's no different than what we do at home because I'll park in a wide open area at night and I'll walk out into the middle of a wide open field, but it's the same way on a full moon night. We can't set up that way. No. <laughs> and if we do, we got to stick to some kind of fit. Well, we got to, like I said, do what the coyotes do. We got to stick yeah. to the fence rows. We got to stick to the cover. And on a like a full moon bright night like that, we have to get close enough to shoot the wood line. Yeah, because a lot of times they don't come running across a wide open field when it's light like that. Full moon nights are some of my hardest times to hunt them. I've got one field that I can't hunt it from any other place but behind the farmer's house because there's two big grain elevators and when it's full moon they cast a shadow and that's where i set up i set up in the shadow of those 
two grain elevator. Like you would do a because, daytime stand. Yeah, because it's the only cover there is. If if you take five more steps, and trust me, those five more steps would be great because it, it there's a rise and it would give me so much more visibility. You're you're sticking out like a sore thumb. And we had yeah. that the night we hunted in Ohio. Yep. We hunted Ohio. What did we do? Four sets before we headed down this way. Yep. And it wasn't bright out, but we had the landowner's light behind us. Yeah. And I think that's what killed us on that set. Because I do too. it was and okay, here's another thing. For an they came a, they came a long way just to booger out like that. Yep. And I think that we were skylined by the landowner's light. We should have been about sixty yards to our left. <laughs> but that's another thing that is is so different from here. Tony told us how many times Seven minutes set, ten minutes set. Oh, we're yeah. gone. If we did ten minute sets, I would kill two coyotes a year. Yeah, maybe five tops. Yeah, I mean these coyotes that we're talking about from this set in Ohio, it was twenty five minutes in, and they had howled at like the five minute mark. Yeah, and it was twenty five minutes in before they showed themselves out of a standing cornfield, and all they did was pop out of that cornfield and go right back into it and never show themselves again. I can't do those short sets. There are times that I've killed them that fast, but you have to be right in their pocket. Yeah. And if you're not, they're coming 99% of the time. It seems either they're slow or you just have to figure out exactly what triggers them. And that's another thing that I noticed and I asked you about the first day was, you know, Tony is on his Icotec remote and he's rabbit distress. Two minutes later, pound and play on another rabbit distress. No pause. Two minutes later, jackrabbit distress. So he went from cottontail to jackrabbit, and boom, all of a sudden, here comes a coyote. Yeah. And it just, I asked you about that the first time, the first night we were out there, like, don't you pause or anything? And you said, no, it, they don't think that way. They, they don't, don't think there was a cottontail, now there's a jackrabbit, there's something wrong with it. They don't that. have the brain capacity. They don't think like a human. You know, and, and I think that's where a lot of guys mess up, is they add too much human logic. They come instinctual. Um, I'm guilty of that. Oh, I am sure. too. I'm Puppies. I'm out there putting on like Shakespearean level plays for these things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking out a story. Tell a story. Tell a story. Yeah. 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 And I used to do that, but you know, like let's let's say when I'm decoying, I may play seven different pup distresses, and the number five is the one that trips their trigger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll play den raid, and I've got a pair of coyotes coming in, and they'll work the dog in maybe once or twice. And then they go out and they get out to about 100 yards and they're losing interest. They're getting ready to head back to where they came from. And I'll switch to like pissing pup. And it's totally different pitch, totally different cadence. And boom, it's a game back on again. So uh, same with the rabbit distress. You know, you got cottontail, cottontail, and all of a sudden jackrabbit. It's no different than fishing and changing your lure to find out they're hitting on chartreuse. You know, what's the rooster tail station know about that? <laughs> and and that was another cool thing. We saw what was that Wednesday morning, yesterday morning, pardon, and that, pardon the marbles, folks. I'm drinking. We had we started off a set, and Tony said, "You want to watch something? Why don't we just call coyotes out of nothing?" And it was, I mean, it was literally nothing. <laughs> it was nothing. It we was walked a, out in an open pasture. Yep, and we sat down. I'm telling in you, wide I open. Could, I could have stood on a tuna can. And seeing southern Mexico. There was nothing. It was flat. And that's the thing, too, that, you know, 
I don't remember what you started with. You started I with did, a pack howl of some sort. I did group invite. And he sees them a thousand yards out. <laughs> There's two coyotes coming. Like, oh, all right, that looks like a rabbit to me out there. <laughs> yeah. But he knew there were coyotes. And they held up at, well, his rangefinder was at 280. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think they were a little farther than that. But these coyotes came charging into nothing but howls. Howls, howls, howls. And they came all the way in, and then they got to the edge of a, what was it, an empty lake bed? Yeah, dry lake bed. And they stopped. And he said, okay, well, we got to get them in. And I don't want them laid down. Yep. He hit jackrabbit distress, and it stood up, and then it started going away. And then he tried another howl, and they look, and then they started going away farther. And then he tried a, a pup, I think, mm-hmm. and they just kept going away from us. And if that happened in Michigan that far out, or Ohio, we don't see those guys. They'd be in a block of timber. Exactly. Well, on the other side of the block of timber. Exactly. Yeah. And you can see that. But that was cool to see because you're like, well, they just came to check out what it was. But they can see I've that got, far. I've got one property that I could see that far. One. Out of every place that I go home. You know, and I get a lot of clients that come come from the, the East Coast and the Midwest. And that's what, I, that's what I tell them. You know, that you get an opportunity to see... Because of our open terrain, coyotes, to me, a coyote is a coyote is a coyote. The only difference is is human pressure and population. Um, and you get a chance to see what coyotes do. They're doing the same damn thing back home if you live in if you live in the Midwest or if you live on the East Coast. It's just you have the opportunity to see them because there's not trees in the way. Yeah, we, um, yeah, we don't need many, to study we had that another kind of rubber, We had another rubber necker, remember, when you and I, when we split up and had a, like a personal... Yeah. Competition. Yeah, when we were having the competition between Brandon and Tony, we had one all of a sudden just on the horizon at what, probably 400 yeah, yards. Yeah, 400. You see a coyote standing there. And I watched him through the scope, and he just was standing there looking. And he'd stand up, and then he'd sit back down. And we were changing sounds. And then he just finally said, I've seen what I came to see, or whatever, and took off. Never came in, never did anything else. And I never sent one either because I can't hit that. You know, and I've seen and I've seen a lot of that night calling. Um, there's just certain nights where they'll come into about the three or four hundred yard mark, check things out, yep. sit down, watch for a while, and then turn around and walk away. Long They're night. just curious on what's going on in their area. Just like if you heard something in your yard, you'd go look at it. They're just not turned on yet. Yeah, and I think the most uh, the uh, the best instance of that that we saw this weekend was yesterday morning when you went to get the call and that coyote took off running yeah and we tried to keep we told him and told him it's not been long enough <laughs> he wouldn't listen it doesn't no, matter he, we could have sat there 30 more minutes he would have sat rubberne- wherever he was sitting he would have sat there he was a rubbernecker yep. and we didn't know when he was sitting out there watching <laughs> until we stood up yep and then we could see him and then he took off and we Tony sat back down, got back on the call. <laughs> Five minutes later, he says, all right, well, I'll go get the call. Let I'll me know see, if you see any more coyotes. See another coyote standing there. He gets halfway to the call. And there's no there's a coyote. And he laid down in the field, and I sent one. And I, I still don't know what happened with that one. I'll I don't know where you sent it. I sent it towards you know, him. And <laughs> that direction. That, that has happened quite a few times in the past where I'm going out to get the caller. And here comes a coyote. And it, it, it brings a point of predator calling, no matter if you're calling east or west. You know, if you've got the time, usually if you're in a competition, you don't have the time to do that. You know, you get down, sit down, seven, eight minutes, 
anything, nothing comes in, you get out, go to the next stand. Um, but if you got the time, sit there for five or ten minutes in silence. Mm -hmm. There are so yep. many coyotes come in because, you know, well, you guys met my pet coyotes. Mm -hmm. Two coyotes raised identical, two totally different personalities. Yeah, the one will run right up to you and lick your face. The yeah. other one's See, and that, and that's, that's That's the one thing that makes me stick to the more storytelling type thing is because yes they don't have the human logic but it's they've got such different personalities that you want to apply those human traits to that understand that they, i mean there was a definitive line between how they behave it's like oh that's you know i i know somebody that kind of acts like that i know somebody kind of acts mm. like that and they were out of the same litter were they not no they're two totally okay, different litters. And I don't know if it's there between male or female, yep. or if it really has to do, and I believe that every coyote, you know, and I, and I preach that to clients, every coyote has a different personality. And uh, some are bold, some are passive. Those ones that are leery about everything, they're the ones that are going to live to be to an old age. Those are the ones that sit in the woods in Michigan and howl at you and make every other coyote scatter. And they yeah. sound like a coon hound because mm -hmm. they're so old. Yep. Yep. And real gravelly sounding. Yeah. And, and just... most likely they're either going to get hit by a car, yeah. Yeah. finally catch a bullet somehow, or they're going to die of old age. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I've had cases where you've got, and what you picture in your head is just some old female that as soon as you start calling, she starts barking in the woods. Yep. Barking and barking, barking. She's telling everybody else, "Don't do it." Well, and I Been told there, you about it. that. You want to keep? That's the bitch you want to kill. Yep. And I told you about that on one of my dairy farms. I had them howling. Two of them came out. They were younger coyotes, and they were coming to the call. And back in the woods, one howled one time, and both those coyotes turned and went right back into them woods. So it's like, what it was that mom back there telling them, "I wouldn't do that. That's a bad idea." Because Johnny went out there last week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's the logic that I throw into it. Thinking, Carl never came home. Right, Old Plow exactly. came back with one shoulder blown off. And but again, that's just hashtag putting, tight rails. That's just putting <laughs> human logic into it that, in the end, doesn't really make sense for a coyote, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But it's just how I've learned to do it, and it works for me. Um, it's just I don't know and. And thing about the rubberneckers is out here, they can rubberneck at 800 yards. And they can see what they want to see at that distance. Our rubberneckers, if they're sitting out there rubbernecking somewhere, <laughs> the odds are we're not going to see them. They, right. could just, they could just be, let's say you're daytime calling. Thermal changes everything. Yep. But daytime calling, and I, and I want to get back to thermal and what it's done to predator hunting yep. in the east. Um but a coyote in a wood line could sit in the wood line three feet. You never know it. Never see it. Never, never see it. Even nope. with and them. he could see everything in that little field that you're calling. He could see everything he want, needs to see and not step out. Yep. And yeah. I think that happens a ton. Yeah, and I guarantee it does because we'll have nights where they howl and they howl and they howl and they howl on every set. And you might get one of them to come out. Yeah. And I don't know why. But we have it a lot, and I and I have I've had a lot of guys ask, you know, and it's a pretty common thing. Um, but there's the no coyotes, answer to it. The, yeah, the coyotes no. are just come to the edge of the woods, but I can't get them to come out into the field. What can I? What should I do different? Switch, Probably, I don't know. Switch sounds. I switch say sounds go, again. I say grab your shotgun and go in the woods. Yeah, 
Yeah. Go after them. If that's where they feel comfortable, they don't feel comfortable coming out in that field when there's chaos, and that's what you're doing. You're creating absolute chaos and trying to kill whatever wants to cash in on it. If they don't want to come out, they go to them. If they feel comfortable, it's just like a buck. You yeah. know, you can sit on the Get edge of the bedroom. You can sit on the edge of the field, but you sit in 50 yards from the field, you're going to see a hell of a lot more bucks staging right prior mm-hmm. to dark in yeah, the woods. Because they're not willing to come out. They're not that dumb. Mm-hmm. But, no, I don't remember where I was going to go now. Carry on. Well, it's like, it's like we when we went and hunted that, uh, I'm trying to think where it was. It's where I shotgunned that, that pup. Yep, when we right. when we jumped out in by between the them two farm. rainstorms yep. by the dairy farm, we had been out there with the rifles, and that one didn't want nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. It come out right along the edge of the woods, looking around. You sent one at it, and what happened? As most times, you send one at it, it went back in the woods. The next time we went out there, <laughs> <laughs> where we go? We went in the woods. Yep, and we come out with dead coyotes. You know, I mean, so you just adjusted your tactics. Yeah, you have to adjust to the same. Okay, so, so let's talk about another um, fallacy: is that you know, uh, Western coyotes are small, Eastern coyotes are big, like twice the size. You know, is that necessarily true? You know, our average coyote, average, I would say, females are twenty four, twenty five pounds, males are thirty, thirty five pounds. Yeah, how's that compared to like Michigan or Ohio? I'd say there's maybe a five to seven pound shift on both. Okay. I mean, just based on what I can. I, I don't kill that many coyotes. I really, I don't. I'll mm-hmm. never claim to. I kill about half of what. Well, you talk pretty boy over here does. <laughs> well, you got three times the land. We've gone through this math. You got three times <laughs> the land, matter. and you uh, kill twice as many coyotes, which means really. Why are yeah? Why, ratio why are Eastern, why are so really traditionally Eastern coyotes bigger right. than Western coyotes? <laughs> well, I think part of it too, though, is because of our winters. They have yeah. to stock up, yeah, and they have to hunt constantly. How long do you think a coyote here could go without eating before it died? Before it died? Yeah. How long do you have a Three cold weeks? weather? Oh, cold weather. A week. And I have five months. Yeah. So they have. They to know what's eating. coming. Yeah. They know what's coming: November, December, January, February. March. And this is all just opinion. There's nothing based on this, but a coyote that doesn't eat for two days in negative thirty degree temperatures is not going to be doing very well. No. What's the fat reserve? Are you skin some coyotes. What's the, you got fat on them? <sighs> yeah, winter time. Yeah. We don't have in much. The, we don't have much fat on ours. Oh, wintertime, I'm cutting through a layer of fat like during winter with a deer. Yeah, but it's never like an inch thick like a deer would. Well, no, you know but I mean? I mean, it's your. There's you know. fat on them, but. You're talking apples and pineapples. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. I just don't think that if One they. One just tastes horrible. If your coyotes here could go. If they're only going to be cold for a week, I think they could probably go a little bit longer with less food to survive. But in Michigan, being that it's negative temperatures, 10 degree temperatures, 20 degree temperatures for November, December, January, February, March, and April. End April. They have to eat a lot more. And it just makes, I think that makes them get bigger. Okay. 
that's just my opinion because I don't know if there's ever been any research yeah. done on that. Well, and I, I don't, mean, I don't people, know if it's the a... people that are researching it aren't researching it for, they're researching it to for a purpose for an agenda. Yeah, yeah for an agenda. I agree. An anti-agenda. Um, you know, and I don't know if you consider if it's considered subspecies or what, but even in the western states here. You know, if you go up in the mountains and get big mountain coyotes, they weigh more. They're bigger. They're fluffier. They're thicker. Um, they're broader. They got bigger heads. They're totally different looking than than, it's, it's than a cold, desert coyote. It's colder up there longer out of the year, isn't it? Amen. So, Amen. You know, even here in southeast New Mexico, our coyotes look different than if you go south of here into West Texas. What the first time I ever hunted West Texas, I thought, well, hell, that's a puppy, and they're like, oh no, man, that's a, look at the teeth on that. That's a three-year-old male. <laughs> you know, and it probably and it probably weighed like nineteen, twenty pounds. Why? I think it's just because they don't require much to survive. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is they they have to eat a lot in Michigan, and we get people that illegally dump deer all the time. And when there's an illegally dumped deer, there's gonna be coyote tracks on that every single day eating off that meat supply. I don't know if you have the same thing here. If you have a cow that's died out in the pasture, absolutely. I mean, they're going to come eat on it when they can, but is it a requirement on a daily basis that they hit that food source or no. they die? No, not at all. And I think there that there is partially in our colder climate yeah. up north. They have to eat to survive. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, like any animal has to eat to survive, but can a, can a coyote here in New Mexico go a little bit longer, starving a little bit longer before it suffers the consequences like our coyotes do yeah i mean our coyotes are adapted to eat the prey that's at hand and the prey that's at hand is rabbits well yeah and grasshoppers, and grasshoppers. if our coyotes tried to eat grasshoppers they'd be dead yeah. <laughs> i mean they would well, they could yeah, for one our grasshoppers right. don't weigh 1.3 pounds yeah, yeah that's, that's and a big they don't difference. just jump up into your face either. yeah well you know on uh, the call and the, it was and like the, a scene out of alien really i mean that thing latched onto my face just, for 10 seconds and just like it was back in illinois after the first good freeze or heavy frost then the predator calling gets better because all that shit's dead yeah you know when all the insects are dead here and they have to kill to eat you're cutting off the easy food. You betcha. That's when the predator hunting gets. <laughs> that's when the call responses get a it's, lot better. It's cutthroat. Well, on, yeah, December, January, February, rabbit. Yeah, I could play rabbit and kill quite often. Yeah, but I kill hungry. I kill more to vocals during the hot months than I do to rabbit distress. And that's not everybody. I mean, our friend George Woodmeyer, he's killed a ton of coyotes, and I know he likes to play rabbit too, and he does it all year round. But I mean, obviously, I don't know all his tips or secrets, but he kills a lot of coyotes. And, I mean, I just don't think, I don't know, I don't think they're... Is it the same coyote? The same, the coyotes that are here, are they the same as in the east? They're just... I don't think so. I mean, is it the same coyote? Yes. Do they have to adapt a different lifestyle? Absolutely. Yeah. To survive. But the mentality Good example. is the same. Yeah. They're, they're, they're dealing with, okay, how am I going to deal with the weather, wherever they are? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to find my food? Where am I going to find my cover? And how am I going to hunt? 
I mean, it, it's the same checklist. There's just different answers to the questions, depending mm-hmm. on where they are. Yeah, I agree to that. And that's another thing, too. Uh, like here, I haven't seen a deer. We've probably seen <laughs> 75 to 100 antelope. More than that. Well, but not, like, not like mean, if we were out at night at our house, how many deer are we seeing? Right. A thousand. Yeah. If we hunt all night long, we'll see two, three, four hundred deer. Yeah. And, I mean, they just have no, they have, it's less of a population and more of a food source. And here you have a ton of a food source and a huge population. That's just from what I've seen. But ours can take down a deer because our deer are trying to live in four foot snow all you know for five months straight it slows them down they can't they don't all survive a lot of the fawns end up dying through the winter that's why we'll have population changes so drastically year to year of deer well our local dnr guy uh well girl uh they put a trail cam over an active den this past fawning season and just that den they counted in two months it was I think fifty-eight fawns. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Then what do you think you'd get? What do you think they'd be dragging into dens most often here? Jackrabbits. Absolutely. Yeah. We found we found a den, right? Yeah. I mean, there was no deer bones around it. No, there was a dead coyote. Yeah, there was a coyote (laughs) that didn't survive. Mm -hmm. We found a shoulder blitz. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see any bones of prey Mm -mm. outside of it. Of course, who knows what's inside the den? True. I mean, and a rabbit, they can just chew the bones up. Yeah, but there's no antelope down in that den that's all no. been shredded. There's fawns in our dens. Yeah. I mean, it just, I think they just have, they have a a bigger calorie intake. Okay. That's good. You know, another thing is, is that I've noticed a big difference is western coyotes, you can get, they can howl all day long. That shit don't happen in the Midwest. No, no, you're not. I've had them. I've had them very, very rarely howl in the middle of the day, like 10 a.m. noon. I've had it, but you have to be right there in their pocket, howling and making them mad. It seems like. I mean, you don't just get a random group howl at 8 a.m. like we had this morning. No. It'll happen in the middle of the night. But there's also in a group howl in Michigan and Ohio. You can catch them at dusk. Two to three coyotes. I mean, that, in that and group, I think that's that, not a rare that just thing has to do with that just has to do with with human population, right? Yeah. I mean, we were calling we were calling where where the ranch houses were twelve miles apart. Yeah, you know, my ranch houses are <laughs> so coyotes in the look east. Look out the window and you'll see it. Like, hey, so coyotes in the there? east learn to survive by by not being loudmouths, right? Well, and yeah, and we've seen that. The more the more we kill, the quieter they seem to get. And yeah, I would challenge any any caller to come hunt the three to five fields around my house. Tony and Tubby get, being and get a coyote to howl. Tony Tubby being the killer that he's known to be for coyotes. Do you think that you could go to Michigan and stack them up like you do in New Mexico? Oh, absolutely not. We kill four to five hundred a year here. And do you think that I could come here and do my calling the same way I do in Michigan, or Tony does in Ohio, and kill coyotes? Yes. Yeah, 
and I don't know why that is. Is it just because of population? It's it's population. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to kill. Nobody in the east is going to kill 500 coyotes a year. No. You know, um, I mean, you could be a brand new, a brand new caller who just sat on Facebook and learned everything they could. See and, and kill me, coyotes. To here. me, that's me. I, 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 that's how I classify myself. I've been, I've been doing this five years. That's nothing compared to the guys that are out there. Like, I mean, what, well, like yourself, you know, and they've been doing this for a long time and have seen the behavior and just racked up a wealth of knowledge. I've been doing this dropping a buck. Well, obviously there's something that brought you out of Illinois to New Mexico. What was it? Big land and lots of coyotes. I mean, people want to go on a, if people want to go on a predator hunt, you know, and I came here specifically to start a guiding business. If people want to go on a predator hunt, they want to see predators. Mm-hmm. And, and that requires going to areas that have got a lot of, yeah, a lot of predators. And do you think you'd be as, as successful of a guide in Illinois? Absolutely not. And I'd have to have the whole, I'd have to have the whole, uh, central and northern part of the state. That's basic sales theory, man. You, if you're selling a product, you got to have a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, your your blocks of land are, what was the one we were on yet the other day? Two hundred square miles, yeah. you said. Yeah. And mine is a forty acre chunk. Yeah, that's how not we my pick biggest... up land. It's forty acres, eighty yeah. acres, hundred acres. Obviously, it's not my biggest property, but my land, yours are section, a whole from here to there for fifteen twenty miles down the road is one section. Like mine, I might have. Two forty-acre fields in I have, that section. I have one patch like that, and to me, it's huge because I can go. It's an entire farm block, and it maybe four hundred and fifty acres, acres, not miles, acres, and that's my biggest patch. Mm-hmm. Well, here, here's something. If you, like, if you got lucky and scored a section, six hundred and forty acres, which is a good-sized property, east, because that that shit costs a few million dollars, right? Yeah, it's good oh, farm yeah. ground. It's going for four or five thousand dollars an acre or something. You yeah. won't get that if you scored it. How many stands can you make on it? Three, three, maybe, maybe. four. Depending maybe on how four. it's broken up by yeah. woodlots. Or what? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, but if there's one woodlot and it's the rest fields, you're calling the same coyotes on every field around that whole woodlot. So which sometimes makes a one. difference as to what direction you Bowling come out. Bowling green. Oh man, it's it's a grid. It looks like you laid a piece of farm fence down, and that's the map. It's straight. Well, it's all like one this. mile. It's all it, one mile. Yep. Road, uh, county road. Sometimes but, they they can't a little bit, but it's. But there's a five acre a piece of woods in the middle of it. Yeah. You're only calling that once. And that's how one. That's how I started coyote hunt. Was pushing mm-hmm. with those guys. They put they drive around with four trucks, and you'd see in the snow there. You got blockers and pushers, in. and there's tracks going in. There's no tracks coming out. He's in there. Well, yeah, and you, you, only, come out. you only got so many spots that they can be. Here, yeah. every five feet, there could be another one underneath the sagebrush. And, and right. around here, I make one stand per section. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a terrain difference. You know, around here, I do one stand per section because majority of the ranches are consistent. If it's, if it's 12 sections, 12 square miles, the majority of it all looks the same. And those coyotes are spread out amongst it they're not funneled into a block of woods like they would you know back 
back in the east. That's how it is in Michigan. We don't have these little sections of thick brush and pockets everywhere that could be holding the coyote. We have a cornfield and a patch of woods, and then a bean field, and maybe a fence rail, and a patch lucky. of woods. Yeah. And if I'm on one side of the block calling into that patch of woods, I feel like that is my set for that block because where else are the coyotes going to be but in that patch of cover? I mean, granted, they can come from across the road. They can come from the neighbors. But, but the rule of 80-20, 80% chance that they're going to be in that block of woods. Yeah, Tony's called a lot of my ground. A lot of my ground, I can focus and constantly go around the block, and I could call I could call the same section of woods all night long, make it six different sets. But I feel like I'm less effective because I've already called what should be in that block. And I might as well just move on to the next block. A numbers game. But you're better off hitting fresh ears. Yeah. Understand that. You know, I called I called in northern Oklahoma, north of Oklahoma City in Perry, and you know, we ended up calling a bunch of coyotes that week. We called fifty seven coyotes, and I was hand calling it. And I found it I don't want to say easier, but more consistent. Every section, square mile gridlock like you were talking about. Yep. Every section seemed to it was grass. And it seemed to have a creek, or sometimes it would Y off into two creeks, but it had a brushy creek down the middle of that sucker. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to call a coyote, that's where he's going to come from. And, and that's exactly well, it. North, up in BG, northwest Ohio, I mean, that's all those farm blocks somewhere. There's a three-foot ditch line running through it. Right we watched them run up that when we hunted it. Yeah. Yeah. But we also watched coyotes come out because in, in Bowling Green where you are, or where Isaac is, where we hunted, it was a 640-acre section with a 20-acre patch of woods. Maybe. Where's the coyote going to be? Common sense says in that 20-acre patch of woods if you, you don't already have them out in the field somewhere. Yeah. And you're going to call them in. But a lot of times, and that I, I can't tell to this day whether they're, in the woods, and they hit the ditch line, and then they pop the out, or if they're just bedding in the ditch line sometimes, and they pop straight out of the ditch line. Because well, we've had a lot of them just spring up. They seem like they spring up out in the middle of the field, but if you know what field you're calling, you know that ditch line's out there. Because half the time we're call, we've called empty, empty looking fields, but we're calling that ditch line. <laughs> how, 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 how crazy was that the first night we were here, though? You could see. Everything in thermal. Two four, seconds into cocktail four people candy with or thermal whatever. scanners, and we had a coyote basically manifest out of the ground fifty as, yards at in front fifty of us. yards, yeah. and nobody saw it before that. And that doesn't happen here in in Michigan and Ohio. No, you're no. gonna see them coming because they can't hide. But then the one you killed the first night that Jay hooked real hard. Yeah, we had only been there what. A minute, maybe. A minute, and maybe. she was in shooting distance on the dead run? Yeah. Where the heck did she come from? That don't happen for us. Because if they're out in the field, we're going to see them. Yeah. Because there's nothing to hide them. No, um, they're not hiding behind corn stubble. Exactly. They're in the woods. And if they come from the woods, we're going to see them unless they hit that ditch line. And a lot of times they're still going to pop out of that ditch line, but we're going to see them at some point headed to it. Yeah. So so how how strange was it to take you know a couple of eastern guys that have a 
a consistent way that they call to a consistent terrain and take you out to like the sand hills where <laughs> you 360 degrees around you as far as you can see is just rolling hills of sand and brush well it happened the first that first set we made in the sand hills where you turned on jackrabbit distress and instantly in front of us there's a coyote standing there he stood up out of a bush uh, yeah that don't happen for us if there's gonna be a coyote there he's gonna be in the woods and that's the coyote that's in that patch of woods so what I do, I, you know, I had to relearn when I came out here, you know, and what, you know, what I started picturing in my head is there's good, there's coyotes all around me. Every time I make a sound, what are you shaking your head no about? All I can hear is that guitar really, really. I mean, I could call the front desk and tell somebody's playing a fucking guitar, shut the fucking thing off. Of course, they quit playing now. Mm-mm. Still playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's picking back up. Yeah. You want to deal with it? Okay. Okay. Um, Background music will save so, you anything. Yeah, so moving out here to Mexico, I had to relearn how to do things. Same, everything you're talking about is the same tactics that I used in Illinois. Minus... Minus parts of it where it was just the entire sections were nothing but frozen cornfields. Yeah. Okay. But it was at least like a, uh, a grass waterway and I treat it like a piece of woods. Mm-hmm. Um, w- when I moved out here, I had to change my thought process. So in my mind, when I'm walking out, there's going to be multiple cats can hear my sound. So I'm looking for an open area that where do I want to kill a coyote? You know, I'm walking out, I'm like, I want to kill a coyote there. It's open, it's flat, I got visibility. How can I get him there? Okay. Um, I don't know where he's going to come from, but he, most likely he's going to go 50 to 100 yards downwind of the collar. So get the collar at a crosswind or what have you. Whatever it takes to put the center of what I'm wanting to kill him at, 50, you know, 50 yards downwind of the collar. Well, and that's something we did the first night, too. And you had said, you know, I don't remember if you had asked what we do when it's high wind like that because it's not something you usually like to call. But when we made that first and I missed that one, um, what was that, the 211 yarder that was mm-hmm. real high winds. Yeah. And then we talked about it. And I, I said, think that crosswind got you. Yeah. And I said, you know, we should try the way we do it in Michigan and Ohio is putting it farther upwind so if they want to circle they're closer to us and the next set you killed and i mean that's just how we've had to learn to do it because we deal with that crap on a daily basis if we want to hunt and in the west and in the western states if you're high rack hunting and calling from the truck windy nights means 300 to 400 yard coyotes downwind again mm-hmm. you know we went we went mobile and call like most guys call in the eastern states mm-hmm. with tripods, and we just move the collar up wind. Yeah. yeah, and it worked. I mean, that well, tactic you... came from me in the east, you and me in the east, and yeah. it came out west, and it worked here. I mean, you think about that central point where that collar is, and 
to me, and this is just how I see it in my head. It's more human life. If there's, if yeah, if there's less wind, that circle's smaller. I want to be where that circle is, because that's where they're going to swing. Mm-hmm. The wind gets at least higher, the shooting distance. The circle's getting bigger. They smell you. That central point's staying, but that circle's getting bigger with more wind. So I still want to be on that line, because you know that collar's way up here now. They're still swinging right in front of me. Yeah, and that's why, well, that's why I swear by um, a color like the Aquatech Outlaw mm-hmm. that has a good remote range. Yeah. Most of the time, and you're calling in great conditions, you don't need to put the collar more than 34 yards from yeah, it. Most but damn sure, damn sure, and we've seen it on this one, there's sometimes you need to put the collar 100, 150 yards away from you if you plan on yeah. killing stuff mm-hmm. based on wind. Stronger the wind, farther downwind they're going to go. Well, and uh, that's just another thing that goes back to how your coyotes seem to circle far more than ours do. Because we've had so many coyotes that no matter what, we've had the wind blowing straight up their nostrils and they just keep on coming. Mm. And I don't think it would happen here. No, they'll ricochet. Yeah. Like they hit a brick wall. But we've yeah. had that in the UP also, down in yeah. that in that one pit where you knew they hit my scent. Oh, where you I can put see the, the second down. it happened. They never even slowed down. Dead run in, slide into home base, whip it back into reverse, and, and get rolled. as fast <laughs> as they can, and I hit that one and on the roll. You know, and, and for our listeners that don't understand what UP is, that's a local... That's upper a local peninsula. term. It's the upper peninsula. It's the upper part of Michigan that's got more land, less people, right? A lot less people. And uh, 100% think, think, different uh, terrain change than it is in the lower peninsula. Gotcha. Think kind of a, a local version of the uh, outskirts of Alaska. That's kind of what the UP reminds me of. It, You've only just, been up there, what, twice now? Yeah. Well, it's, it's very few people, and it's just... Untouched wilderness. But it's as soon like as you the, cross up there, it's not uncommon to see coyotes like you do here on the side of the road walking around. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I've never they're seen... They're pressure. Yeah. And there's more of them. Yep. And I think that might go hand in hand. Less humans, more coyotes. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, it would be awesome to see what this country looked like. You know, let's say the western states, because the eastern states didn't have the coyote migration back then. But like in the 1960s, so Richard Grantham, uh, a buddy of mine, and I'm, he's probably passed away by now. He was quite elderly 20 years ago. Um, he's, he talked about being able to call in New Mexico and Arizona in the 60s where they would sit down on a lawn chair and a hand call and may kill 12 to 15 coyotes on a stand because... Nobody else was predator hunting. They didn't have the human pressure. Yeah, and I mean the the landowner in the upper peninsula that we hunt has a chair sitting on a hill above his cattle corral that he will sit in and shoot coyotes and shoot coyotes. And he don't call. He, he just, just watches just, them come in to the cattle. Probably sits a bro with thermos coffee them. and shoots coyotes. And you ain't doing that in the lower. <laughs> In a, higher popula- in a higher population. Yeah. You know, one of, the, one of the things that fundamentally, and it's really kind of neat, is, you know, is watching predator hunting. Mean, predator hunting is a basic thing. You make some noise, you kill whatever comes in to, to cash in on it. But, but the industry has changed actually a lot in the last few years with the introduction of thermal. 
I'm watching guys kill more. You know, let's let's pick an Ohio. I'm watching guys in Ohio kill more cows in one night than they used to kill in an entire season. Yeah, it's yep. fundamentally changed predator hunting, and 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 I can see it not only on the activity on social media, but even in the sales of like my sounds or my hand calls. There's a whole lot of activity going on in Michigan and Ohio and Indiana. Oh, I told you the and other it's day. It's got to be thermal. Yeah. And I told you the other day, I got one block from my house. There's 10 different people with permission to call that well, block. And, and there's an upside and a downside. That is so to crazy too. to me. I, I mean, mean it's I, ridiculous. I, I've hunted here for, let's say, I don't know, 13, 14 years and never ran into another predator hunter. Yeah. And you've got 10 people competing in the same piece of land. It's. Almost ugly how competitive it is. That well, I, blows I had me to away. explain it to a couple of farmers because their mentality is, well, I got I got one guy coyote hunting. Two's got to be better. Two's gonna be twice as many coyotes. Yeah, killed. wrong. Yeah. No, no, dude, you're, you're you're destroying my chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're you're destroying them because this other guy you got calling it doesn't know what he's doing, and, and now these coyotes are twice as smart. As they were when I got here. And I'm not that great at this. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. Well, for, from a sounds perspective, you got to be playing sounds that all these other people aren't playing. That's oh, yeah. Mean. Yeah, that, and that's... <laughs> that's why it helps to be a VIP member. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> you get them sounds way before... Nobody else, hit, nobody else gets, right? I mean, have you ever... I mean, this is a good example, and it kind of is on topic of Western and Eastern. Um... Have you ever been on a predator stand and heard somebody else's collar? Yes. yes, absolutely. Could you recognize the sound? Yes. I, that's you how could... I. That's how I knew it was a collar. Yeah, I, so, I was. It, it was the farm I took you to, where we were right behind the barn. Makes me upset to talk about Tony Tebby sound files because I've heard them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought for road. sure you were going to say Lightning Jack was playing at level. 40. <laughs> my, I've had, I've had rabbit distress like that, but my, the one that stands out in my head was Steve Thomas, who's one of my overdrive team members. What, I wasn't aware that he was calling the block cross. I mean, we know where each other have permission. We don't, we don't step on each other's toes. We hunt together a lot. I'm sitting on a stand and I hear long-winded rally. <laughs> Five minutes later, kaboom! And he missed that coyote. A couple minutes later, coyote running across the field from me that I'm calling, going towards Long Wind Rally, leaving my field to go to Steve <laughs> using that sound. And it's not the first time we've had it. I've, I've called, I've howled back and forth for an hour with another caller before. What? That happened to me out where I took you when, That's crazy. when we called that one uh, behind the barn. Out in West Alec, the farthest one we drove to. I had guys right across the street from there. Yep. And howled back and forth for 15, 20 minutes. And then they switched to a sound, and I went, I didn't put that sound. <laughs> so I sent it right back at them. I sent them the same one. And, and then all of a sudden, I hit. <laughs> text message. And I pulled my phone out of my pocket, <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, it's me. <laughs> send them one back and, and you both go opposite directions we're like alright well, yeah, we're gonna roll out yep me too and we you know, went where we needed to go but 
Well, a lot of times you just don't realize you've got property that close. They weren't hunting the same farm as I was, but they were right across the road. So we'd all been calling the same coyotes. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that point, it was like, do you want me to leave so you can at least have a shot and pull them that way? Or do you want us, you leave and I'll stick around? And we just both ended up rolling out and going different places. So, I mean, that's what would make hunting in the east and, you know, or and would probably blow the mind of any western hunter who thinks they can just go eat go hunt the east and stack up western numbers well look at the parcels i mean you're talking about smaller pieces of land less population and 50 times more competition (laughs) yeah tons you you pick up a landowner you've got 220 square miles and nobody else is calling it i pick up a landowner i might if i'm lucky get 400 acres you know, you're, well, and 400 acres is less than a block. Yeah. And in Michigan, and I don't know if Ohio's the same, there's a road every single mile. mile. Yep. Every mile. It, and it, there's a different a landowner on every corner of that mile. And that landowner has given permission to somebody else to coyote hunt it. And the coyotes could care less about who owns what. That's their whole section. Yeah. Now they got four different people, potentially four different people, calling them. And a good majority of the time, and this isn't uh, to be rude to anybody or anything like that, a good majority of the time, three out of the four are still learning what they're doing. Yeah. And it doesn't help anybody's chances. Well, I mean, I don't know if you ever quit learning. No, you with don't. this, and but that, that's why I you say, get to a point where you're a lot more effective. Yeah, I mean, but you what, educate what, a lot of coyotes your first couple of years. Yeah, on the on the way through, I've told him a hundred times. I wish I knew when I moved into my place. I wish I knew then about coyote hunting what I know now. Because man, I'd have a stack of fur. Dude, we talked about that. We talked about that on that one stand. Nobody was ever calling them around me, and I was calling in doubles triples and just every i could go out there every night i could call at midnight call in a coyote go out at 3 a.m same field call in another coyote and miss one and blow it by being in the wrong spot and <laughs> miss another yeah it was just mistake after mistake after mistake but i was watching what they were doing learning by how they moved and how they reacted to calls and screwing up and everybody has to learn somehow. It took me four years of calling before I ever saw a coyote. And I don't even know what made me stick with it, to be honest. And see, my the first year I started calling, I killed 13. Mm-hmm. And then I killed 9. And then I killed 3. <laughs> but I started calling when I was 16. You shaved so it got you, worse well, you, no, well, you, before I got better. No, what you did is you killed off the, the callable coyotes. Yeah. Then it started getting hard. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. My best east-west story is on Predator Masters, way before Facebook was ever invented. Still I'm, I'm on Predator Masters, I gave away a hunt of, uh, as a Christmas gift. And I gave it away to a guy um, based on who had the best story of why do you deserve a free hunt. Well, this guy was very modest and said, I just ha- I've had a lot of personal issues lately. 
Well, his buddies let me know that his mother-in-law died of a heart attack while opening Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve in front of his children. Oh, my God. I don't care anybody else's story. That was heart-wrenching. So he came here on a hunt. He lived in Virginia, been calling for nine years, called a total of six coyotes in nine years, and had only killed two, and those were his first two stands. You talk about dedication. Yeah. He came out here, and I think I gave a two-day hunt. Maybe three, but I'm thinking it was a two-day hunt. He came here, killed a bunch of coyotes. I think he killed 14 coyotes. Learned a bunch of stuff. He went back home, and he showed me pictures of his properties. In Virginia, it was like the opposite of here. It was straight up, straight down. Mm-hmm. Covered with trees. Unbelievably different. Um, but he took the tactics that he, that he learned here and went back home, and he killed nine coyotes that season. Well, if it says anything major for East versus West, the reason that I first got into coyote hunting was because I saw a Randy Anderson DVD sitting on a shelf at a store. And I said, I bought it, I watched it, and I said, huh, that looks fun and easy. I went and bought a call. I went and bought a rifle. You were half right. I went and sat <laughs> in a pasture at 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Michigan, and I did it that way for... Three years. Opened up with Randy Anderson Howl. Did a male howl. Followed yep. with a female howl. Yep. Thinking a little bit of rabbit. Yep. That gave him something to fight over. Yep. And, and the it doesn't Man, it doesn't work the DVD. same. It just don't work the same. <laughs> no. It works perfect where Randy lives in northeast Nebraska. But if Randy or you or anybody else that are these big name dedicated Proven coyote hunters that live and constantly hunt out west were to go to the east, I think they would see that it's not the same. What I will say in a, in a very short adjustment period for the guys that have been doing it a long time from out here, I think they'd figure it out. Oh, yeah, pretty absolutely. quickly. I think if Tony came for three days in Michigan, he'd call and he kill would. a couple yeah. of pilots. I may be playing woodpecker the whole damn time. Right. You know, I'd figure out what works. But if yeah. I came here and applied the same tactics that I do in Michigan, I think I'd pile them up if it was a yeah. good week. Yeah. Even if it wasn't a good week. I mean, it's just, you play the rabbit out here, they come running if they're in earshot and they want to have it. If they're in the, if they're in the mood. Yep. And a lot of that is, 90% of it's based on weather. Yeah, but you could go to Michigan and play rabbit to 300 acres of no coyotes. Mm-hmm. Where I don't believe there's 300 acres here that don't have a coyote sitting uh-uh. somewhere listening. I mean, we said it every single set last mm-hmm. night. There's one listening to us somewhere. Yep. If, they, if they didn't if they didn't come to the call, they howled. Yep. And let you know, yep, they yep. didn't we come to the call. Well, <laughs> move along. The one stand we made that we on top of the big hill we could see for days and you know somewhere there was a coyote listening because we had already called three in in that same section yeah or that same you know property that same ranch and there's more howling so you know they're listening to you but we can see 500 600 700 800 (laughs) yards and we didn't see not one single coyote cross any of that sagebrush or whatever those mm-hmm. trees are, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's how Michigan is. Except for it's not because they don't care to come. It's because there's not one there. Yeah. And that's understandable. I 
to me in my head, you know, and we're all learning as we go, you know, even if you do it for 30 some, you know, 37 years. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's the range of, uh, range of experience we've got yeah. in the room at right now. I mean, we've got 37 years down to 16, 15, 16 five. Yeah, 15 and years. me at five and we've all killed coyotes. So in my head, on an average day, no matter where you're at, for every coyote you call in, there's, let's just say, 30 that don't come in. Oh, yeah. They're not in the mood. They're not in the mood. They're not hungry. Whatever you want to call it. They they didn't trip their predatory trigger or their territorial trigger or their maternal, paternal trigger. They just, mm, okay. Now, tomorrow, they may be, the, their number's up. Right, yeah. um, they're feeling ballsy that day. Uh, on barometric pressure issues, weather changes, planet alignment, moon phase, whatever, that may that may number go down to one out of every two hundred coyotes. And then on a phenomenal day, where you can't do, you could fart and a coyote comes. Mm-hmm. I bet you still one in ten. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things, too, that, and Tony, this is mainly about you, the first time you hunted with me and Kevin, we both called sets. Me and Kevin both called sets. And he said after not too long, you guys both, Kevin will howl and sit for 10 minutes quiet. Then he'll play two minutes of rabbit, and he'll sit for five minutes quiet. Me, I'm more like Tony, where I'm pounding buttons. I want sound out there. Yeah. And Tony said, you guys do it completely different, but it works for your area. You know a good analogy to that? A good analogy is that that, um, tournament bass fishermen. Yeah. You got guys that will work a worm. If you ever worked a rubber worm, it's slow and methodical. They'll let the drop. I'm a buzz buzz bait guy. Yeah. I want fast action. I want shit to happen. You got guys working the bottom and you got top water. Exactly right. But you want it and you expect it to happen in 10 minutes or less. Yeah, absolutely. I if I expected it to happen in ten minutes less, I would be crying every night because it wouldn't happen. There's certain properties that I will absolutely sit for forty five minutes. Yep. Absolutely. Because I just I know if I give it the time, mm-hmm. something's coming through, something's gonna hear it, it it'll happen. I've killed now, it doesn't always. Yeah. But there's just those properties that you get that feel about. Yep. Now competition hunters? You know, I think uh, Rusty um, Gamble. Gamble. Rusty Gamble's a lot like me. I mean, he's a yeah. You know, he probably lives on more, more he lives on Mountain Dew and Red Bull, right? More sets the better. He, you betcha. Um, what I've learned in competition, like hunting in the World Hunt, is we want to do a stand over seven minutes long. Yeah. To me, eighty percent of the coyotes are going to come in in the first seven minutes. And see, eighty. That's... And eighty percent land hunting too, though. Eighty yeah, percent of those coyotes are going to come in the first two or three minutes. If you've got the ground to burn to do that, boom! Exactly, you can <laughs> do it. Well, we don't have the ground to burn to do it. You've got to give that four hundred acres that forty-five minutes. You got to give it every possible chance to produce because you don't have fifty more. Sets when I lived in do. Iowa, if I did the seven minutes every stand. I'd be done by 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, and I think, too, a lot of your coyotes might come in a little faster because there is so much of a population Competition. difference that they yeah. have to go to that food if they want it. Or it's going to be gone. Yep. yep. And I think in our case, they know, well, we've got a pretty good chance we of going there in an hour and it's still there. we got a minute. Yeah. 
I mean, it's just, it's nuts. There is definitely no joke about it. A hundred thousand times more coyotes here than there are where we are. And and that could be the big difference between east versus west is just population. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you're calling a coy- if you're calling an area that's got an average of one coyote per square mile, or if you're calling a place that's got twenty five coyotes per square mile, yeah, and we they have, act different. You're you know, they've talked about our local you know, our coyotes moving an average of eight miles per night. And how many properties could that be? Forty. You know, that could be eight miles. That could be a hundred landowners, and you got permission of three of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can know exactly where the coyotes are. It don't matter. Can't get to them. Just can't. And it's not because you know maybe they're not hearing the sound or anything, but there's a lot of landowners, especially Michigan, for me that don't believe there's coyotes because they don't ever see them. How many of your landowners don't believe there's coyotes because they don't ever see them? Probably right. none. None. They because they them. see them. Yeah. They don't see them around home. Because, and, and it it comes up all the time. There's not that big of a problem. Oh, there is. You don't own you don't own livestock. You don't own chickens. So you don't realize the problem. You're not working your land. You're right. just living on it and yep. going to work and coming You home. heard one 13 years ago, and that's the <laughs> yeah. only time you Oh, we don't have a coyote problem. Right. I never hear them. And I've had landowners say that. Have and you, have I've heard them wrong by saying, here's have a video say, of one on your property. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm asking you for permission. Have you ever rolled the dice, took a gamble, and said, I'll be back at dusk, come out there with me, and how? No, I never have. I, I did it once, and it worked out. But <laughs> I won't do it again because I was terrified that I was going to howl. It's going to be quiet. And go, well, a tactic, and I think I may have told you guys while we're hunting, a tactic I used to use in Illinois and Iowa to pick up property is I'd go out locate. Mm-hmm. I'd go out and locate coyotes, let's say on a Friday night, and then go hunt Saturday morning. And then once we're kind of done hunting, we were done by about 11 o'clock, we ran out of property. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go knock on the doors and ask for permission for where I got coyote responses. Yep. And and uh, there's so many landowners that are like, oh, absolutely. At 2.30 in the morning, they had my dogs barking. They had me up, you know, stuff like that. May have been the coyotes. May have been my caller. Don't know. Don't care. But I picked up another property. Yep. Um, I Did you guys get, get kind of blown away when we were night calling and we'd have a group of coyotes or even day calling? A group of coyotes calling, and then we call blanks down, like, let's just leave. Whereas an Eastern tactic would be, let's go after them. Well, I mean, that's, our, that that's our option with yeah. the amount of ground we have. I've got some spots where we have picked up and walked yeah. to the coyotes and killed them. Here, <laughs> I mean, what are you walking to? You're walking to a group, but at the same time, the there's a group over here that just didn't want to talk, but they could be coming to the call. Or there's a group back here, a single back here that could be coming to the call but didn't want to answer. At home, if I got a, about an answer in front of me, odds are that's the coyotes in the area. I might as well spend my time trying to go and kill those coyotes because that's my chance yeah. for the night. That's, that's a good idea. You know, and a, a lot of guys, I mean, competition hunters or, or just diehard hunters, will go out and spend an absorbent amount. As a matter of fact, I read on Facebook about today about, you know, don't be lazy, get out and locate and locate and locate. 
I don't go out and locate out. I don't waste my time. No, I don't no. do it. And there's guys that are competition hunters. They'll spend a week of locating. That doesn't, to me, tracks and scat don't lie. If you find the tracks and the scat and you pick up their permission on the land, you get you know you got coyotes there. Um, coyotes is, I like to stop in the morning when we're when I when I got a client and locate how because it's like gets you juiced up. You're like shit, man. There's freaking coyotes everywhere. Yeah. I'm glad I came all the way and drove. How many drivers did y'all drive? Twenty-five. Yeah, I'm glad I drove twenty-five hours to come here because goddamn, there's coyotes everywhere. <laughs> well, and that was when we went up in the sand hills. You said six seconds you'll find a coyote track. Five miles at home, you might find a coyote track. And how many seconds does it take to find a coyote track? Three seconds? Yeah, as soon as you step out of the truck. Yeah. That first road. Um, but to me, locating coyotes has its pluses and minuses. It's a confidence booster, and that's it. I've had coyotes respond vocally and not come to the call. Mm-hmm. I've had coyotes that come to the call and never once howl back. Mm-hmm. Um, to me... Coyotes responding vocally have absolutely nothing to do with responding to the call. Nope. No, and if I wasted in, my time locating in and fact, trying to honestly, kill, I think I kill more on the quiet nights where they're not talking. Now, yeah. it, like if said, they're howling, they're not coming. Yeah, it's it's a confidence booster if they are howling because okay, there's coyotes here. It gives you that reassurance that they're there. But as far as killing, if I really go back and if I was to go check the numbers, I probably kill more on quiet nights where they're not saying a thing yeah i want that group that's i don't want that group that's howling it sounds beautiful i love it i'm addicted to it ever since i was a kid to hear yeah. them respond i, love I make a living off of recording them yeah but i want those ones that come running yeah like that pair did today they didn't say a damn thing nope but man they burn burn well but you also didn't give them a reason to talk no they were just coming to eat they weren't coming to fight or they let could it, have they, lit they up. weren't making a statement they could have lit up just fine if you would have howled at them but we didn't try it and no, no, no. I'm talking about when I start howling on that right the first stand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. they barn burn to us. Oh, that's yeah, what I good. want. I don't want the ones that are going to sit back and howl at me unless I'm out recording. Yeah, no, if I located how well, and that's one thing about me too. I've learned or I've seen actually that if I stop on a road and locate howl, I could have a coyote right there that now knows that I'm I am a vehicle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because it's standing right there somewhere. Like, I hunt a lot of clear cuts on public land. And there's a decent population of coyotes on public land. But if I go there and locate owl, and one is 100 yards off that road, by the time he howl, or I howl, if he <laughs> wants to, like exactly. <laughs> he could, and I think they can think that way. I mean, that's why you hide your truck. Right. Yeah. Because if they see that there's something there that doesn't belong, now I feel like they've contributed that. I, I fully believe that. coyotes have associative learning. They, I mean, they, just it's like not a dog. on the level of a person, but it's, yeah, the Pavlov's dog or whatever. They, they see what's going on situationally and relate it to what happens right after. The way I see it is if I pull into my driveway, my dog doesn't bark at me. But if a strange car pulls into my yeah. driveway, that dog barks in her butt off to let us know something strange. And I see my on. dogs bark when they see us. They don't bark at other people. Yeah, see mine. The they're all happy to see us. <laughs> hey, they're home. But does that make sense, though? The coyote, does a coyote think the same way? A dog, a house dog, 
can recognize when their owner pulls in the coming down the road mm -hmm. based off of the engine noise yep. or the yeah. tire noise or what yep. have you. You damn sure know that a coyote We've seen that. may or may not be smarter than a house dog, but they're craftier. In my old truck that had a dual exhaust, I have one coyote that we have... How many times have we shot at that guy? A couple times. I don't even want to think He associated about it. a bop, 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 I danger. pull into that field and I turn off my lights because that's how you that, get quiet. Yeah. When you're, <laughs> you when get you're out of that truck. 78 rust bucket POS with dual exhaust. <laughs> it goes into stealth mode when you turn the no. headlights off. Nothing <laughs> can I hear pull it. into that field with that truck and that coyote's already barking and going the opposite direction. Yep. And yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's an old, big, mm -hmm. nasty coyote. And, and that's the coyote he's killed. He's a monster. He's yeah. been educated. Yeah. Uh, what was it? 400 yards at least when he was popping in out of that corn. And he looked, and like, he a looked like a deer. Oh, wow. He was huge. And yes, he needs killed you severely. But you. he knows, he knew the sound of that truck. Yeah. And I would never yeah, call one in there when I would pull into that field. And we've and tried both sides of that farm. Mm -hmm. In fact, that was the first time you made fun of my calling. was when I called him up to that ridge line and took a shot at him. In the tournament. Yeah. He's like, what? He's, how do you call anything in? There is no discernible <laughs> pattern to what you're doing. It's loud. It's mm -hmm. totally different. And there's a lot. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing a lot of it. All I can say <laughs> is if you want to have a heck of a darn good time calling coyotes and you're an eastern hunter, you need to get out west. But if you're a western hunter and you're not calling yeah, anything in and not having fun, don't stay go out east. Here where, yeah, stay out here where it's warm. I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't read on social media in the last few years of any western hunter go out east and just kick the shit out of them. No. No, never. You know, guys that... The guys that hunt in the West that are used to killing, let's say, 15, 16, 17 coyotes in a competition, and they go out East and they kill two. Mm -hmm. But now, I think that if I were to come out West and hunt a competition, I would do better than I do in a competition in the East. Because there's just more coyotes. Sure. I mean, it's oh, if we had it's like if you were land? snagging paddlefish. Yeah. You're going to, if in, in a stream full that has more paddlefish, you're going to snag more fish. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, it, if you called him up and said, hey, you and Tony come on out for two weeks. I'm going out of town. You guys hunt my ground for two weeks. Everything I got, you got. We'd stack them. Dude. What? We'd shoot at them. We'd shoot at them. And you would use your <laughs> Eastern tactics and then modify it. You're going to play a little bit louder. You're going to play a little more jackrabbit. You're going to figure out what our, works. Our first two or three days would probably be... Yeah. Test the water. You know, and we talked about we talked about this today. I've always said, if an an East Coast hunter will do great in the West, they got to tweak a few things, mm -hmm. but they're they're more dedicated. They're more diehard. You have to be. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you would have gave up. Yeah, gave it up. Sold your shit and went golfing, right? Well, I wouldn't be able you know, to afford the meds used, for the clinical depression that would go along with I lived it in, if I wasn't dedicated I to lived it. in Illinois, and I didn't know, you know, and I studied elk hunting. I had never seen a freaking elk in my life. And I went out to Colorado and used East, you know, Eastern United States whitetail tactics on elk. And I hunted on public land. I, for five years, I killed five five-by-fives on public land by myself, you know. 
Um, I don't think a, I don't think you know a, a Western hunter could go out east and kill a trophy deer every year. Not unless paid for it. You know, it's just a different, it's a, a different tactic. I think East Coast hunters are more diehard because they have to be, mm-hmm. just like you said. It's kind of like if you were loaded with whitetail here, with the ground that you've got wide open as it is, what it's going to be easier stalking them in my woods. Or stalking them in your wide open fields. I mean, it's just a different game. It's a different terrain. It's a different setting. It's it might as well just be a different country. Don't yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and it's a population. On back to coyotes, there's a population difference. Um, you know, guys who live in the West and hunt in the West. Let's say, let's pick on Arizona, which probably has the highest coyote population, followed by New Mexico and Texas. Um. They could totally screw up a stand, go a quarter mile, half mile down the road, and do it over again. Yep. In Ohio, you screw up a stand, that may be your whole freaking day or night. Well, if you screw up a stand in a one-mile area in Ohio, Michigan, you screwed up on the coyote that's in that area. Yeah. And that's how I see it. So you can't you can't be lackadaisy. You know, you, that goes back to being more dedicated, more focused. Mm-hmm. You can't be lackadaisy. You can't, you know, um, I don't want to say that Western hunters are lackadaisy, but they could afford to, I don't want to say half-ass it, but you yeah, half-ass it. You can be lazier than I can be. You can literally be lazier. You, you, We have walked this week 30 yards from the truck in daylight and calling coyotes. That ain't happening for me. No. Well... How many stands could you do in ten hours? In a like a in a full day of calling? Yeah. A pleasure hunting or competition hunting? What did we do this morning? Seven before noon? Yeah. Where I'd get three? Right. That's that's what I'm getting at. If we go night hunting, and I'm saying dead of winter when we can start at six and hunt till six in the morning. Twelve hours. You if assume one stand it, with if driving we're hustling an hour and a half. Right. We're getting ten a night. And competition hunting, especially for somebody like my buddy Rusty Gamble, who's freaking hardcore, he'll do thirty stands a day. Yep. Yeah. And if you're doing a numbers game and let's say you call him fifty percent, you're calling you're calling and it, let's say it's just singles, that's fifteen counts a day you're calling. Yeah. But and if you shoot 70% of them, you're putting 10 coyotes in the truck in a competition. Yeah. Which goes back to how much time you have to spend on stand before you you feel like you should kill one in under 10 minutes. I could, I'll could. i make three stands to your one. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel like if I don't give it a full 30 minutes that I'm giving it a fair chance on set. Well, but if we had five times the land to burn... Well, it'd be like, okay, well, we can afford to leave here in 15 minutes because we've got plenty of ground. You're just trying to take the cream off the top. <laughs> but see, we're going in a big circle here because at the same, it, you go 500 yards, you got a whole different pocket of woods or, or brush or cover and that we don't. has I mean, five more coyotes. A different coyote's train. Exactly. I go 500 yards. I'm calling the same coyote I just called 500 yards ago. Because yeah, he's, the, he's the one he, yeah. that's there. 
So I'm getting in the truck, I'm loading up, and plus that's another big thing. You can put your rifle right next to you, load it up, have it hot. Yeah, and ready we're to dropping. Go. We have to unload, drop a magazine, put unload, case, put, put it in the, the case, yeah. put it in the back of the truck. Get, get back out, on the county road. Get back on the road. Get out when we get to our next location. Reload our gun. Reset up our whole setup. Walk out to the set. It's all just... You're burning time. Yeah. We spend more time setting up for stands, probably, and walking into sets. Well, we spend one set worth of time setting up to the set because yeah. we have to break down and reset up every time. Yep. And walk a couple hundred yards to get to where we need to go because we don't have road systems like you do that break up the the, the county, you know. Mm -hmm. We I mean, have a landowner's house that we park at, and his field is 500 yards back. And that's what makes this an awesome sport is that you can do it in 48 states, you know, yeah. and, and, and call coyotes. You're like, we're here, here we are talking about tactics of, you know, Illinois, Iowa, now New Mexico. I've called in 19 different states. You know, you've got... I've called three. Yeah, you've got, you've got that. You've got Ohio. Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, and now New Mexico. So you called now you got, and then I've got I've got buddies that li live in Alabama, which may be totally different. They got totally different terrain. You know, they're calling they're calling pine plantations. Mm -hmm. I think it'd take me a little while. I'd be like, "Where's the open spot? This is the open spot." Yeah, <laughs> you know, this is, this is it. You see you this power? Be, you better be ready. <laughs> when he runs across this power line cutting, you better shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's one reason I adopted a shotgun too, because it gives me more opportunity because I can go in thick areas. And in a shotgun set like that, like where I deer hunt, is multiple sections of clear-cut woods that are thick. And those, I believe, hold a couple more coyotes than just a patch of woods do. Because they're so, it's like out here where there's brush that they can live under, you know? Now, one question for me is how many, on one section of your ground, how many dens can you find? Oh, it, that depends on terrain. But um, in a section like in that pasture today where we were, we were buzzing through on the razor, um, in a given section, I mean, there may be four. See, in, in 16 years, I've found zero active dens. How many, how, many, how many dens, of course, they're not active this time of year, but how many dens did we find just in your hunt, short hunt? Four, yeah. five, four, five. And those are just ones we stumbled across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I've never found not one single active den. I found a spot that I'm pretty sure they have done before, but it's just one spot out of all the thousands of acres that I have access to. Mm -hmm. I've only ever found the one, and that's because I shot one and watched it in thermal go into the tree line and disappear in a place that I knew, unless it fell off a cliff, it couldn't disappear. It must have fell in a damn hole. <laughs> and and I, I, I went over to the gravel pit, manager like whatever his title is and asked him the next day you know can i go in there and try and retrieve this coyote because when it went through the fence it went into the gravel pit and that's what i said it had to have either went into a hole or it fell off cliff well i got to walk down the tree line there's enormous hole blood fur at the top of it and that den went right down into the side of that hill and that's the only one i've ever found 
And Kevin found, well, I don't know if Kevin's found a bunch of them, but Kevin had a coyote that he shot in the wintertime on a creek bed. He hit it, injured it, and it went into a death. That happened, that happened to us on the property just south. Um, shot it, injured it, it went off. Dog chased it, dog's barking. Let's go get your coyote. You get him in the bush, mm. went down in the den. Mm-hmm. And it was a big old adult coyote. Yeah. Well, like I said, 16 years and all the ground that I hunt, Tony's seen 90% of my ground. I've never found an active den. Not one time. So that. <laughs> and, I t- and I found two with pups in them just last spring. Yeah. So population is crazy different. There's no, there's no direct correlation in my 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 eyes of east and west coyotes. They're, it's a different game. It might not be a different animal, but it's a different scenario, different setup, different. Yeah, the core of the animal is the same, but it's just you're dropping them on a completely different playing field. I mean. It's like taking an NFL football player and putting him on a hockey rink and taking the hockey player and putting him on a football field. They're going to change how they do things, or they're just not going to make it. And that's the difference that we're dealing with. I mean, you got one that has no cover, so they got to be smart, play to win. But there's a ton more of them, a ton more to eat. And then you got the other ones over there where there's all kind of cover. They can work all kind of terrain. Up and down, elevations, everything. But there's quite a bit less of them. And they don't have to really fight for the food as bad. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Imagine you put 15 hungry people in a room and you drop one cheeseburger on a plate. And whoever gets there first is the only one that gets to eat it. Then you're going to darn well be the first one there because you're hungry and you want to eat it. I'm going to it right in your face. You put one burger down on a plate in front of one hungry person that knows that it's going to be there and I can walk there and eat. When I'm ready. I'm going to take my time and conserve my energy. Mostly because I don't like to run. <laughs> I mean, and that goes, and that goes back. And we could, and we could probably we could probably wrap up on this. You know, that goes back to what I've always said is a coyote is a coyote is a coyote. The only difference between an eastern coyote and western coyote or a northeastern, let's say, New York versus a Florida coyote, both east coast, Mm -hmm. you know, the only difference is terrain, human pressure, Population. and population. The same tactics work. I have so many clients in, in a, you pick a state, it doesn't matter. Kentucky, Tennessee, New York, Florida, Alabama, killing the shit out of coyotes on my jackrabbit sounds. Mm-hmm. You're not damn jackrabbits there. I killed one on your jackrabbit team jack two weeks ago. Yes, in I Michigan, mean, there ain't a jackrabbit anywhere no, around. Because I, a coyote is a coyote. Something mm-hmm. screaming, can I go eat it? Yeah. I bet I killed a third of mine on jackrabbit. There you go. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it works. And you know what I've never had any luck on? Snowshoe hair, and we have snowshoe hair. So do we. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why. Of course, I don't Some sounds, some, well, some sounds, the, the one that could be it depends on how much you play it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I kill, I kill a majority of my coyotes for the last three or four years on cottontail candy. Is it the magic sound? I like to think so. It's um, a good sound. It's high pitch. But it's, it's also the first sound I play. Yeah. 
Yeah. So maybe you if said I would have if I would have played yeah. Woodpecker, maybe you know, yeah, maybe like, they'd come running into that. Amen. Amen. But I've had too many people come to me and say, I think, you know, I think at World Competition. This year, I'm going to go to Sorority Girl in Distress. <laughs> see what happens. At the World Hunt, I have Josh so, is many, run out of the so many guys that I congratulate and say, hey, good job, man. You, you know, you beat yeah. us. We got seventh place. You guys got first. And like, it's your cocktail candy. We didn't play it. And so, I mean, that makes me feel good. But I think it's a case that you find the sound that's working on that day in that area. Um, because a coyote is a coyote, and I don't care what state you're in, it's the same damn coyote. They may look different based off of based off of uh, <laughs> genetics. Um, they may act different based off of the terrain and human pressure. But well, they're either going to want to fight it, you know, they're going to come to the call because they're either going to want to fight it, they're going to want to make a friend with it, they're either want to <laughs> mate with it. <laughs> Fraternize. Yeah. Let's keep the same F in the yeah. front. But. <laughs> yeah. but that's what makes it such a cool sport. You know, and it's but probably, duck hunting's probably the same way. And that's why guys that are really into duck hunting travel all over the country mm-hmm. to hunt ducks. It's the same damn duck. Yeah. You know, literally in the same damn flyway. No, they just do it to show off. <laughs> but, um,. That's right. I don't like you water crawlers. I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> but that's what makes it such a cool sport, you know. And, and you only live life once, and if it, you find something that you're good at and that you enjoy doing, <laughs> oh, well, I'm out. <laughs> I better start over. Wait, you got to be good at stuff. We're good at. <laughs> you know, um, I, when I was down yeah, in Florida, I'm to sex. when I was down in Florida. <laughs> And I recorded East, that one sound I got, um, East Eastern Coyote Group 1, mm-hmm. was recorded down in Florida. Um, I use the same damn tactics in Florida as I use here, or, I, or these tactics I use here are the same ones I use when I go back home to Illinois. Yeah. You know? No, so I, we're all doing the same thing. We're all on the same team. Yeah. You know? Supposed East Coast versus West Coast has always been a big argument. And I've never understood it. Yeah, you know. Never once have I understood it. It's just like those rappers that my wife listens to. <laughs> East Coast versus West Coast. Mm-hmm. Y'all sing the same damn songs about the same thing. We hate cops. We you know we, <laughs> we you know, we we all, we, we want to win we want our women, we want our cars, you know. <laughs> you know we want the we money. It's just all the same shit. I think I've got that CD much. But they argue over it. It's the same with coyote hunters. Mm-hmm. There's a, there shouldn't be arguing over East versus West and that. I mean, you want an argument, we'll save that for episode three and we'll talk about lights. We'll talk about coyote lights. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of topics we yeah. can argue about. I mean, thermal has definitely changed the game. Yeah. You know. Um, a lot of people hate it. Man. I mean, I'm seeing guys in Illinois and Iowa and that that crazy numbers mm-hmm. they're putting up more some of them are putting up more coyotes than i used to put up all year and i freaking call my ass off there's no doubt that thermal <coughs> changed the game for us but it is nice to be out there where nobody else knows you're out there and it's hard to call coyotes with the damn sheriffs pulling in the property right yeah been there many times dnr sheriff state police yeah yeah that's crazy I just can't wait. What's crazy is how much thermal has changed in the last, let's say, three years. Can you imagine 10 years from now what it's like? Oh, yeah. 
Well, for one, you probably go well, to Walmart. Well, they've, they've already got, if you get up to military stuff, they've got like a hybrid. Mm-hmm. It's military night vision crossover kind of thing. It's weird. The green phosphorus? Yeah, it's weird stuff, man. Or white phosphorus, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. night vision, though. But they have a hybrid. No, yeah, a hybrid, a hybrid with, with thermal. a thermal. Oh, I didn't know that. So you get the yeah. best of both worlds. Yeah, you're seeing like the movie, but with heat. There was a it's there was a video crazy. there was a video on Facebook uh, the other day um, where they were introducing I don't remember who did it. Um, they were introducing this new shotgun sight, basically, that is um, a red dot that's got thermal. Is badass, perfect for a shotgunner. You know, they're scanning it there through the crowd at like ATA or shot and all that. And it was unbelievable. But somebody said, that's awesome, but it's 10 grand. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, nobody can afford it. No. Give it 10 years. Well, it's come down quite a bit now. I mean, regular thermal has. Yeah, I mean, ATN introduced the $1,200 thermal. Thor LT. So five years from now, what are we going to have? A $500 thermal? Wouldn't surprise me. That's three times better than what is available now. Mm-hmm. Or we go the other way, prices start going yeah. up because it starts getting that much better. I remember, I remember um, when I first moved to Iowa, my boss took me to Best Buy and said, I want to show you something. He took me in there, and there was a flat screen TV hanging on the wall. I had never <laughs> seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to buy that sucker. Not today, but you know, forty-eight hundred bucks, ten thousand. Yep. And now the same size TV at Walmart is one thirty-eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing's gonna happen with thermal. I just bought a sixty-two inch for four hundred bucks. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's a disposable price. If it only lasts you two years, you just go buy another one. Yep. Because you know what? That's half the price of your damn cell phone. Yep. And those are just gonna keep going up. Mm-hmm. But here we go. We got three guys from different three different parts of the country. We had a hell of a time. We you know we we got to hunt for four or five days. Um, we all use we all use different uh, equipment. I could care less that um, Josh chooses to use ATN. I use Pulsar. You use Pulsar. I use Pulsar. Right? You and use who's you killed use more it. this week? And my day, oh. my daytime school sightmark. You use sightmark. You know, and there's so many guys get hung up on that topic, you know. I could care less if somebody uses a Fox Pro or a Lucky Duck or, you know, an Icotech or a Flex Tone. I mean, we're all on the same. Go out there and have fun. Absolutely. Shut up. Absolutely. You know, now it's like guys getting in an argument over what's better, a blonde versus a brunette versus a red. I mean, who gives a shit? You know what? Worst slice of pizza I ever had wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, so it, we had first night we called in nine, first day we called in three, second night we called in seven. I mean, it was a consistent week. Yeah, I mean, we had work for it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And, we put, and we put we put fighting the elements. Mother Nature hates me. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, no so, joke. So do I. <laughs> well, I must you know, be and, and, and I get somehow. and I get babied because I only remember the good days, you know, and my good days here. We'll call in fifty coyotes in yeah. in, in in a four day hunt, oh, and I expect that, and that's just, and, you know, and I've been doing it long enough. That's not the reality. I mean, yeah. I've had those days where we only called in. I mean, 
those hunts, a three-day hunt that we only called in eight coyotes the whole hunt. Yeah. But I tend to forget about it. What I focus on is those positive ones. If I focus, <coughs> on, focus on the negative ones, I'd go work at McDonald's and not guide. <laughs> you know? You no, always want to do your best. And that was funny, too, because we were not very far in. We could tell that you were, man, where are they at? Where are they at? Where we, are yeah. they at? And we're like, what do you mean, where are they at? We're, we're seeing like, tons of them. <laughs> we're crushing it, man. Yeah. This is great. Because I mean, we're just going day by day, checking yeah. stuff off the list that we wanted to do. What did you guys? What did you guys do here on this hunt? I mean, you came out here on a, you came out here on a hunt. You've been wanting to go on this hunt for a long we'll time. Tony made year, it happen. Six year wait for this. Yeah, we did everything we came to do. You got to see decoying. We, the only thing we didn't come to do that we came to do possibly was shoot one with a bow. Yeah, but they weren't coming to that. Point. I would have liked to shot one with pistol today, but I'm you not tried. quite. I'm not quite the pistolier <laughs> that I should so, be. We we called them in daytime kills on yep. video, nighttime kills on thermal and well on thermal video. We yep. got those. We got a little bit of decoy dog action. Yep. The only thing we didn't do is high rack. You shot them from the truck. Shot them from the truck on the run as they're shot them from the razor. Shot them from the razor, which is the most insane thing that I have ever experienced. Yeah, when (laughs) when you're 50 miles an hour in a razor with a 12 gauge, the front BB of your (laughs) shotgun uh, looks. I don't know. I mean, it it was just it was pretty crazy. If you want, and if you want to watch this chaos, funny, um, (laughs) just a great week of of hunting. You know, and I and and I suck at introductions to this, but you know, uh, Tony runs Mountain Lodge Outdoors, and all this was filmed, and this and it's going to be an episode uh, on their show. Yeah, this should be rolling out. I would say this is probably going to be three or four episodes in to the season, 2020. It'll be April, May, June, so second quarter 2020 on, on Pursuit Channel. On Pursuit Channel, and then shortly after the episodes there on Pursuit. We'll put them on Carbon TV, and you can catch everything there. If you want to go catch up, go get on Carbon TV now. You can watch all the old stuff. That way you can see you know, how much better we are now at making TV than we were when we started. And, 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 <laughs> and, and you'll, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of variety, <coughs> variety of this Western hunt. Um, and from a social media perspective, you know, watch, watch Mountain Lodge Outdoors page. Um, also, uh, Josh, and he keeps mentioning Kevin, that's Kevin Rott. Um, they both do, um, overdrive, overdrive outdoors, um, where he did a lot of live video feeds, uh, this week. A lot of picture sharing. Yeah. yeah. We had a good time. I mean, views that you don't get anywhere else, just go watch the live videos if you really want some comic relief. <laughs> those are not overdrive those are on my oh, those are on your personal page okay I, they, I, was, I was hoping those weren't on overdrive no. so these two these two are a riot to hunt with they they <laughs> razz each other 24 7 you know they're, they're which makes them really good buddies but then at the end of the day we hug and shake hands yeah and and they they that's never it. Just cause that's he likes, it he likes to touch my butt and while he, he hugs me and as you can tell from as you can tell from this episode, they never shut up. <laughs> but I took them. I took them. We were transitioning from day calling to night calling because this last stand was just getting a, little, just a tad too dark. So let's just wait until it gets dark, dark. Um, I took them to uh, uh, the Cap Rock here, which is the, where the prairie land drops off about 300 feet uh, and goes into... Just like um, that blazer that was at the bottom. The sand hills. 
and and I actually took them to a place where they actually didn't talk. They 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 were in awe at the if, view. If there's a point where heaven and earth touch, it's right there on that rock because that's about the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It was gorgeous, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's pretty unreal. Yeah, and that's one of the things the Western states do have is some gorgeous views. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, we had to fill out this little questionnaire for the yearbook, the senior yearbook. And what's your what's your dream car? Mine, like a freaking idiot, my dream car was a a like nineteen eighty six white Volkswagen Rabbit convertible i mean how gay is that right <laughs> but my but my uh who's your biggest idol and everyone was like oh my biggest idol is billy idol my biggest one is madonna like mine lewis and clark um i would love minus the whole diseases like polio and all that kind of stuff Go back um i wish i would have lived back then yeah you know, I wouldn't have met my lovely, well, lovely wife, Crystal, but, yeah, but, if you're but to be able to Clark, see, you get to hang out with Pocahontas. There you go. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of like a modern day Pocahontas. I mean, if they had purple hair dye back then. That's true. I'm sure Pocahontas would have had purple hair. That's true. But the, uh, but to be able she, to see. She does the pure romance thing, so it'd be more like Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> true. To be able to see the you know, the United States untouched, yeah. virgin territory. I mean, that's, I mean, as a predator hunter dream, uh, predator hunter, that's a dream to pick up virgin land, right? Well, we to be able to see a virgin just country. Un unpressured, untouched, yeah, just as it would exist without you being in it. Well, and then to cap it off, you know, that sunset coming down <coughs> over that mountain, we let off a couple howls, and, and that bottom just erupted. Opened up? Yeah, just lit up. And it's a beautiful song. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that every predator hunter um, who who's diehard, I mean, there's guys that they do it after deer season and all that, but those who diehard hunters, who those that live and breathe it and read the predator magazines and, 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 and social media, go to the, the groups to learn and, um, and just live and breathe and think about predator hunting, they absolutely deserve to treat themselves on Western hunts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know? No question. I mean, I, it's I like caught, a snorkeler caught, going to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I caught so much flack for this week because this past Saturday, which was the day before our the day we got here, the day we left in the truck was opening day of bow season in Ohio. So everybody else has been building up, building up. Oh man, oh yeah, get to climb in tree stand. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna be shooting coyotes on the other side of the country. You know, that's all I can think about. And I catch flack all deer season because it's like, uh, like Friday, get off work, and they're like, Saturday morning, it's getting stand. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be up all night chasing coyotes. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the dark side, brother. <laughs> no, we had a I can't wait till the deer woods empties and everybody fills their tags so we can get back to calling. Right. We had a heck of a time, and I mean, I don't have nothing else to say, but thank you very much. Cause oh, you're you, very welcome. You busted your butt for us, and... Absolutely. Made darn sure we got our double digits. We got our double digits. <laughs> it was fun. We had, uh, when I saw the decoy dog just for that 15-second period this morning, that was what was the original plan when we first planned this, was to watch a gunner work. 
unfortunately he's no longer around, but that was the whole badass aspect of the hunt. You didn't have the razor back then or anything. And we got to watch it. And that was, uh, we shot 11 this week, and my heart didn't raise nearly as much as watching those two look no. at that dog and that dog go after them. Yeah, that was that was intense, man. I mean, them, them coyotes hit 30 yards. Yeah. And we easily could have dropped at least one of them. <laughs> two of us, we could have dropped one of them. Yeah. <laughs> if not both. But I wouldn't trade having those two in the rack no. for what I got to see ever. That was, 2020, that footage will be dropping. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my heart was pounding. That was amazing. Yeah, and, I, and I'll probably do, I mean, not probably, I'm sure I will because it's it's part of my DNA. I'll do another episode of the podcast and just cover decoy dogs. Yeah. You know, I get so many questions. Do they work, you know, uh, will they work in the East? Of course they will, you know. Um, you know, as long as you're dedicated and will show that dog coyotes, that dog's going to help you out. You know, so I'll do a whole episode on decoy dogs, you know, nationwide. And uh, that'll be a good topic because it's, it's intriguing. I, I, I think it's interesting. And what I've always said is, you know, a decoy dog is not a magic wand. We talked about that this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be it's, a help and sometimes it can be a You bet you. It's going to scare, it, they're going to scare off coyotes, especially this time of year. You call in young coyotes and they're like, uh-uh, I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with it. But when it does happen, it makes it up for it. Um, and, uh. Decoy dogs, all they do is add spice. Yeah. You know, you, you still got to make the soup. You still got to get a coyote called up. You still got to pick up that property, do your yeah. scouting, call up a coyote. They just add the bam factor. Yeah. So. It was awesome. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It'll happen again. It's going to have to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be here forever, so. so. I will enjoy your life. But anyway, as long as all of you tune in and watch the show, I'll be able to. Afford to come back. Afford to come back. (laughs) You know, and and Mountain Lodge Outdoors are are really, I I like that show because it's unique. It's not just, you know, there's other shows that I watch that I can pretty much tell you what's going to happen. They're going to probably go there to Canada and shoot some fluffy coyotes. And next week they're going to do it again. And the next week they're going to do it again. And next week they're going to do it again. Mountain Lodge Outdoors is a totally different type of show. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, Kind of hunt like most people hunt, and there we've had episodes where we don't kill anything. It's but kind you, of us doing what everybody else has to do and the struggles they fight with with hunting. But it's not just hunting. We we did an episode last year where we went down to West Virginia and tackled some whitewater, and a few of us fell out of the raft and took a swim in a class five and had a good time doing it. Uh, but you do turkey hunting, yeah, deer I, hunting. Well, this year coming up, I've got uh, my seven-year-old's first youth hunt in Kentucky and in Ohio. Um, any kind of hunting you can think of, we, we'll probably have an episode on it this year. because we, We've actually had a great year. Uh, Cassie got drawn for a bull rifle elk tag in Kentucky. So she had that hunt. So do it again Absolutely. sometime. It was a great time, and I'm really glad y'all made the trip. Yeah. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, and appreciate it. With like most of my hunts, um, the friendship built is far more important than than anything. Absolutely. So we're all on the same we're all on the same team, no matter where we live. We all love hunting coyotes, and we don't get argument or hung up on 
You know, I could give a shit that if you wear Levi's or Wranglers, or if you use a Coyote Light versus you know a Night Snipe. You know, we all have fun. Get out, kill them. Yeah, we all have fun. We all do the same thing. We kill. You know, we don't let jealousies get in the way over things, and that's probably ninety nine point nine percent of the arguments that happen. You know, um, online they don't happen face to face. No, no, nobody's actually going to get to say that stuff. They got to type it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing matters until you're curing cancer. Everything else is stupid. I like that. That sounds like a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You've been listening to episode two of Tony Tebby's Predator Hunting Podcast. What a great hunt. A couple of great guys. And again, it doesn't matter where you're at from the country. We all love this sport. We all have different tactics based on what we're working with. As far as terrain and coyote numbers, everybody just needs to get along. I appreciate you checking in, listening to episode two. Make sure you come back for our next episode. Y'all take care.